0: Well, I wasn't challenging them to do anything, but be different, to think different, because it was all on metadata, registering your music, all the non-fun stuff that must take place if you would like any chance of collecting your percentage of a penny. And we had like 150, 160 people signed up for this thing. Those are the people that are going to have, in my opinion, based on whatever Level of success that they've set up for themselves, they're going to have the best chance at achieving that because they're treating it like a business. You just can't create it and put it out into the world. Hey, what's up?
1: This is Gabe from Legion Beats and Midi Money, which is where we help music producers start, grow, and scale their music production businesses. Now, if you'd like to learn more about how I was able to turn Legion Beats into a profitable business and how you can join our community of hundreds of producers, all working towards that same goal, head over to midimoney.com slash oh, what's up, guys. Welcome to the MIDI Money Podcast. I asked Rick, uh, what's the bio? How do I introduce him? And he said, introduce me as my buddy Rick. So, Rick, my buddy, welcome to the MIDI Money Podcast.
0: Dude, I'm excited to be here. You know, I feel like we've known each other so long, and you've been so gracious to have, you know, introduced me to a lot of your audience, many of the people listening to this I've met in the past. And it's just like I'm just Rick, you know. I'm I'm just yeah. I've worked with some people, and yes, I've accomplished some things. But you know, go to Google if you want. That's just just know that uh, I'm I'm an entrepreneurial freak, just like everybody else listening to this. I love what it is that you do, and I'm just excited to be a part of it. So yeah, I am your friend Rick for sure.
1: <laughs> cool, man. I'm excited. I'm excited to get into it because. Um, you're somebody like me who, who, uh, who geeks out on this, this stuff, the entrepreneurial stuff, the mindset stuff. How do we, uh, I mean, it says execution on a sign behind you. How do we execute the stuff? Um, and yeah, for, for anybody who doesn't know, um, you know, you've got a, a huge empire at this point, uh, that you've built in music where you've, you know, helped, uh, the careers and managed, I don't know, thousands uh, tens of thousands—I don't know how many, how many—you uh, know—artists and musicians—and um, famously managed and launched the career of Taylor Swift. Um, so, just so everybody knows, just get that out of the way, so they know you got some authority and, and you know what you're talking about.
0: Well, the cool part for me is that I was I was blessed to be a solutions-based person. Uh, how I even got I, I I got into the entertainment side of things through radio. That's what I always wanted to do. Uh, I wasn't talented enough to uh, learn an instrument. I didn't have the discipline to learn an instrument. I was a mobile DJ. You know, I had one of the first mobile DJ companies back in the 70s in Alabama, early 80s. In high school, I'm doing all the college parties because I befriended a rich kid. and We used his parents' money to buy our equipment. He could drive, you know, but I had the personality to get on the mic and just kind of do this thing. But whatever situation I was ever put in, I always tried to, Ask questions to find out what the problem was. One of the problems that I realized early on with radio and with record companies is it was very expensive to do radio tour. And I was in Santa Barbara. I know you're in the Bay Area. So in country music, I'd built a country radio station uh, in 2001. To get artists to come out, even at the beginning stages of their career, unless it was summer and touring season, they just weren't making their way. So I ended up creating the first ever radio tour where artists actually got paid. And I didn't ask for anything. I didn't ask to be paid. All the money went to the artists. The record companies freaked out. They were like, oh my gosh, usually we have to pay radio. It's very expensive. And now I, once again, I just saw a problem, created a solution. And that's what put me on the radar of Big Machine machine records. That's what brought Taylor to me. That's what allowed me to have her as my first client when she was just a teenager. That's what allowed me the opportunity to have success with her to then get, you know, the attention of Sony Music and then to get the attention of Live Nation. And then, you know, six, seven years ago, I just decided that, you know what, it's like, as long as people keep having babies that want to be famous, I never run out of a potential market, Mm What if I was to start teaching the business? Because I saw Berkeley doing it for $150,000 for a music business degree. I saw Belmont doing it. I saw NYU doing it. But what I did is I went to that cool, the coolest professor I know, Professor Google and Professor YouTube, and I started typing in how to get a record deal, how to find a producer, how to find a publisher, how to find a manager, and everything that was there was from like 10 years ago, and it was just interviews. So that's where my entrepreneurial mindset went, wait a minute, if people are typing in this, why don't I become the solution to that? Taylor's family and the record company paid me $150,000 to be her manager. So that's why the book's called the $150,000 music degree. And it's also a knockoff on all the universities or traditional ways of getting education where they're going to charge you $150,000 a year for theory. And for 500 bucks, I can teach you the music business, but from the reality side. So, and then that's kind of how we connected. So I've always had this entrepreneurial mindset. I come from divorced parents, free lunch program, food stamps, started working at a young age, you know, cause my mom, she was doing her job and if I wanted anything, I had to do it. So I've always had that mindset and that mentality. And it's helped me create an amazing life for me and my family. And it's allowed me to help tens of thousands of artists all over the world, whether they've, you know, listened to my podcast or gotten a free copy of my book or bought one of my $97 courses or $1,000 coaching program. I've been able to touch a lot of people's lives and that's meant a lot to me.
1: Yeah, man. God, so many gems in there. I mean, the the biggest thing i think from that story is it all starts with solving problems right like seeing okay yep. well here's this here's this problem these artists aren't getting paid um you know people need this information and really that's what being an entrepreneur is um, and that that is definitely the thing that i've been stressing for producers right which is most of our audience is like okay how do you solve more problems okay if you if you've got a beat like cool, sell a beat lease to an artist that is solving a problem, but guess what? There's millions of other producers solving that exact same problem. So how can you solve a higher level of problem? How can you solve more problems? How can you do something that brings more value? And really the answer is you solve problems. Like that's literally what it
0: is. Yeah. How do you become the red apple in a bowl of green apples? You know, that's one of my best Instagram ads right now is I hold this bowl of apples and there's one red apple. I have another one where I'm juggling and it's two green apples. And what, how do you become the red apple? And I think it's much easier for producers to have this business entrepreneurial mindset than it is for artists. I I think, I don't think you can make someone an entrepreneur. I think you can make someone a successful small business owner, but I don't necessarily think because of the mindset that goes along with entrepreneurship, entrepreneurs aren't afraid to fail. Most creatives are afraid to fail. Entrepreneurs aren't afraid to get punched in the face. Most artists and creatives are deathly afraid of getting punched in the face. Entrepreneurs aren't afraid to invest money and lose money. Most creatives and artists hold on to their money and they'll only buy equipment. They won't won't buy knowledge and experience, but they'll buy gear. So you can't all of a sudden just teach someone to be an entrepreneur, but you can teach someone to be a successful small business. And those successful small businesses that also have an entrepreneurial mindset, to me, those are the people that go on to do better things. Uh, Ryan Tedder is an entrepreneur. He's like, hey, do I want to just stay in this lane or do I want to go venture down a bunch of different lanes? There may be a lot of you here that that have understood, I am the tree. Spotify is a branch of the tree. Sync is a branch of the tree. Selling my beats is a branch of the tree. Producing an artist is the branch of a tree. That's an entrepreneurial mindset. A small business owner is, what can I do? How can I make money? And cool. That's kind of our day. It's like, here's my product. Give me my money. That's the exchange. The entrepreneur is saying, where are the problems that can be solved? Where can I go do this? If this person's leasing 10 beats. How can I lease 20 beats and bake it better? How can I always be providing more to me? That's what a great entrepreneur does.
1: Yeah, no, for sure. And I will say like, I never thought of myself as an entrepreneur. I never, you know, for, I was doing, and look at it you now. now for 10, look at me now. But that's, that's kind of my point, <laughs> right? Is like, if, if for the creatives, for the producers that are listening to this, they're like, yeah, I am a creative. I am a perfectionist. I am scared to fail. You know, if you're willing to admit that to yourself, which I am now that I, I have been like that. Um, but once you, but you, you know, you said you can't learn it, which maybe is true, but I think I didn't even know it was in me. And I think I started by, okay, here's the tactics. Let me start learning this stuff. Let me be a small business first. I never really thought about it this way, but maybe that now that you're saying it, it was like, all right, I'm, I am a creative. I'm not an entrepreneur, but let me try the, let me try to be a small business first. And then it unlocks something in me where I was like, oh, wait a second, this stuff. But really Here's fun. where,
0: here's where I'll disagree with you because you were an entrepreneur because you saw a problem and you went and solved it. Most small businesses don't solve problems. They put out a product and they collect the income for the product that they put out there. You know, you got a lot of sh- stuff and a lot of flack because you started teaching the business side of things. And I looked at it from the outside saying, shame on anybody who, d- who isn't gonna go out and put in the time, the money, the energy, the failures that you had in order to teach the successes. You're the least bragging person I know in my life when it comes to this thing. But I sat there and I said, this is a guy who said, wait, because here's the thing. Bottom line, we have to remember this. If your beat sucked, your business would suck. So you have the producer talent. You were in the rooms with the people that allowed you to be able to go do this. So that's the part that's entrepreneurial as you said okay wait a minute like the same with me okay I've been blessed to have been in rooms that a lot of people don't get to be in sure I could sit here and rake every mom and pop for thousands and thousands of dollars promising to make their daughters the next Taylor Swift you could be promising how do you get into a room with Snoop Dogg how do you but that's not what you do it's like how can you make money with your business how can I take what I've done Which is, by the way, guys and gals listening to this right now, how can I take my failures, the many failures that we've had as entrepreneurs and teach you how not to do that by showing you these examples? No one that's successful is teaching strictly off of just winning. They're teaching also off of losing. And most people and creatives don't have the balls to show anyone that they've ever lost. So all you ever see is the cars and the bling and all the BS that's out there. But when somebody like you gets out there and says, look, this is where I failed. So let me show you so you don't have to. This is what I thought was the cool thing to do because all the cool kids were doing it. And this is the lessons I learned by not trying to be one of the cool kids. But first I had to try to be one of the cool kids in order to get my ass kicked. So that I learned I don't have to be the cool kid in order to be successful. When when Gabe walked out on stage, I was at ClickFunnels. 99% of the audience, when the introduction happened and his accolades happened, were expecting a black guy to walk out on that stage. Instead, a tall, lanky Jewish dude who's had success because he's had more failures. We've all had more failures than we've had successes. I had drug addiction in my story. I have jail time in my story. If there's the, a knucklehead of the year award, I would have received it on many years. I would have been the last man standing on the knucklehead of the year award, but I was able to overcome my stupidity and get out of my own way and take for those that saw more potential in me than I saw myself. I've always had an entrepreneurial mindset. I just didn't know what it was called till someone came up and like, dude, you're like the Gary V of the music business. I'm like, who's Gary V?" And they said, no, there's this dude and he does this. And I listened to Gary and I'm like, okay, I see how Gary and I are a lot alike. We're both solutions-based people. He drops way more F-bombs than I would ever drop, but we're solutions. It's like, we'll see a problem, identify what the problem is because we all see it. And then we come to a solution and that's what I love about people like you. That's why I'm even agreeing to be on this podcast with you because you are a solutions-based person. I just don't go on podcasts and people could go, and this week we've got Taylor Swift's former manager. Somebody said to me, it's like, dude, you launched her career. I'm like, no, I was part of the team that launched her career. They're like, well, we're going to have the guy that taught Taylor Swift everything about social media on our podcast. I'm like, dude, When I started with Taylor, we only had my space. Everything I know about Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram, Taylor was long gone and out of the picture. So we know who the people are that just like to parade stuff around. And then we know who the roll up their sleeves are and get busy and that's who you are. So you may have never considered yourself an entrepreneur, but you always had that in you. Because here's the thing, could you start over today from zero and be okay with, with what you know and what you've experienced in your life. Could it all walk away today, and you not go into panic mode and freak out mode, and have some level of success where your bills got paid next year?
1: I could have some level of success. Uh, yeah, I will me say too. that. uh Me you know, too. I think my nature is I just get anxious even when things are yeah. going well, so I'd probably panic. But I have, to your point, I have the skill set. You'll panic for a day because you're
0: human. Yeah, you'll panic <laughs> but, for a day.
1: Yeah. But I have that foundation and I have that knowledge and I I know now how to build something from scratch, especially because like you, I've now gotten the opportunity to teach other people how to do it from scratch. It's one thing to do it once on your own, which is hard enough, but to have a repeatable process to teach other people, that's, that's, I've learned. Well, and that's
0: (laughs) for the producer that's listening right now is, or if you're an artist is think about this, it's like, okay, whose problem can I solve today? And you will never worry about paying your bills again. Right Now, it may take you a, a few days like any good business to get the systems and the process and the structure in place to be able to solve those problems at scale. That's kind of what we've done. I, I was having lunch with a, a buddy of mine today, and he he's he's from Texas. And in Texas, you hear about the Texas music scene, these artists, all they think about is selling hard tickets. All they care about, they do very small front-end guarantees. They want bigger back end. So that's like, hey, if I put 5,000 people in the door at 15 bucks, why am I only going to play for $1,500 that night and let the venue make all the money? I'll let the venue pay me a small guarantee versus a percentage after a certain number. And then we'll keep a higher percentage on our merch. So they eliminate most of the risk for the venues. And that's how they've gone on to make all this money. Mm. And we were talking today because he started investing in the tech side and he was an early adopter of bitcoin and cryptocurrency and all these different things and he's like what do you think of the nfts and i'm like well i think they're cool i said but until the consumer is comfortable with crypto you can't pay with real money so it's like we have to get our person involved here and what i told him as i said one of the bigger mistakes i see most artists creatives. It's people are chasing whatever the coolest, latest thing is, and they forget to go back and focus on who they have. They want all this attention, but they don't know how to serve the people that they currently have. I'm like, hey, get all your mistakes out of the way with 100 followers on Instagram, not 100,000 followers. Get all of your mistakes out of the way with 10 people that can't download your beats properly versus sending all this traffic where 100,000 people show up and realize they can't download your beats properly. So be okay where you are. Get those systems and processes in place. Learn to love the ones that you're with. And then once that's systematic, that's when you throw gasoline on the fire. I think too many people, and I've sat on the MIDI money panels. I've been with BusyWorks. I answered questions for two and a half hours. To, everybody wants to know how to get their songs to Jay-Z, but nobody has a SoundCloud that was even functioning. I'm like, Jay-Z doesn't want to see that you're a hot mess. Jay-Z wants to see that you're a functioning business that he can invest in. And they were like, Oh, okay. Don't Jay-Z not going to turn you into a business. The record man's not going to turn you into a business. The manager they're going to look at this business small is okay because they can work with small what they don't want to do is have that artist or that producer that just shows up and dms me and says come on rick we make millions i don't I, if i wanted to make millions i would have stayed with taylor you know it's like i chose to make hundreds of thousands by helping more people with less stress which has turned itself into millions but i had to make i'll give you a great example when people come to work with me and the managements. I do management coaching and I, I have them fill out this application. And the last question that I ask is, what is your realistic, that's the keyword, what is your realistic goal over the next 365 days? 90% of them will come back and say, I want to make six figures. Okay. I said, great. So six figures means at least to $100,000. That's the, the six figures. I'll say, how much money did you make just from your music business last year? Well, I haven't started focusing yet or making money on my music business. I said, okay, so your realistic expectation is to 100,000 times your current business. And then they pause for a second. I said, why don't we make your first dollar? Why don't we make your first $100? Why don't we celebrate and do the dance and celebrate the first $500 and then the first thousand, the first four figures, then five figures. It's like, let's stop trying to, to go from junior high to the NBA. I was watching. uh, Okay. Don't laugh. If anybody's drinking something, swallow it now before you spit up, but I was watching the NCAA division uh, one women's college golf and the commercial. I know everybody's laughing now. I'm I'm a huge golfer. I love watching golf. I love anything competitive. But the, 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 the commercial said only 2% of all college athletes will ever get a shot. Now, this says get a shot at playing in the pros. And I thought about that from the artist's perspective. I thought about it from the producer perspective. There's 60,000 songs a day uploaded to Spotify, but everybody wants a record deal. Everybody wants a Grammy. Everybody's going to judge their success. Do you know that there's so few record spots available and only so many Grammys in your category given out every year and so many years that we're going to live that we have to get a little bit more. We can have goals. Don't take me wrong. This isn't Rick Barker dream killer here. I want you to have goals and aspire to have Grammy worthy music and have record label worthy music because ultimately when you put it on Spotify, you're competing with them anyway. But start with little victories. You guys get your butts kicked so much that you're, you're, you're setting your goals so high that you're never able to sit back and go, damn, man, I recorded five kick-ass songs this week. I just had three artists reach out to me on Instagram asking me if they could have access to that beat that they loved it so much. When that stuff happens, celebrate those victories, celebrate those victories. And that's, that's one of the things that we talk a lot about, Gabe, when we talk just as friends is whenever we're having mindset issues for ourselves in our own business, because trust me, I I get my ass kicked more every day than I have victories. I mean, we all do. And it's like, and we put so much into creating these opportunities. And then sometimes we just need to get on the phone with each other and just go ah, you know and then it calms down real quick and surround yourself with some people that you can just be straight up honest with i think too often the creative community only surrounds themselves with those people that tells them how great they are that they don't have that friend that they can just go and say you know what today sucks Right now, today's not, I'm not off to a great start today. Somebody who knows you well enough that you respect well enough that can say, you know what, take a deep breath. Matter of fact, why don't you not do it? Why don't you get out of the studio today? Maybe today's the day you need to go hit golf balls or you need to go down to the park or you need to go do something. I don't know that we can always solve our problems staying in the problem. I think sometimes we have to extract ourselves out of that problem. And some of you guys are like, Road Warriors, 20 hours at the studio, 16 hours in the studio. Get out of the studio every now and then. You know, go volunteer someplace one day. Go find, you know, when during the, the the winter, we love it every year because we'll go and stock up on socks, underwear, and gloves. And we'll go, we know the homeless places where they're hanging out. And we can just, it's like we get out of ourselves for a little while. You know, and then sometimes we got to do that as business owners, as creatives, because I'm a creative, I I create courses, I create podcasts, I do two podcasts a week, I have to stay creative. But if I'm stuck in my own stuff, I'm not going to be any help to anybody. My best work isn't going to come from trying to fight through something that's kicking my butt. I read, I read a great book or listen to a great book. I don't read a lot. Uh, If I hear a book I like, I'll order it just so I can highlight stuff in it. Uh, It's called Who Not How. And it's a Dan Kennedy book. And it says, stop thinking, how do I build a fan base and start thinking, who can teach me how to build a fan base? How do I do this? Who can can I go to that's going to teach me how to do this? And that's where I think a lot right now is it's like, I always thought that I needed to know how to do everything. Now I pride myself in trying to find the who's let them do the house. That's what they know. That's their world. I know what needs to get done. I'm going to go find who can help me get it done the most effective, not the cheapest, not the fastest, not the, I I don't ever do price. I I base everything in my world today on solution, Mm -hmm. not price. If I have a $10,000 problem, how much am I willing to spend to get rid of that $10,000 problem? $9,999, because then I'll never have the problem ever again. Everybody else is going, well, I'm going to find somebody. I'll only spend a hundred bucks. Okay, cool. I've been down that road. I learned that lesson. You've heard the story, Gabe, of the freeples, the cheaples, and the preples.
1: Uh, this is sounding like a Myron. <laughs> it's a very
0: much a Myron golden deal. And this is probably what the beat guys and gals get a lot too. So I'm going to share this with the producers. So here's what happens is there's these people out there called the freeples. The freeples want everything for free. The freeples are going to drive you crazy. The freeples are going to wear out your customer service support system. The freeples are very ungracious people. Now the cheaples, they're one step up, they're willing to pay. They just want everything on the cheap. They don't really care if it's the best. They just want it on the cheap. So the cheaples is where I look to really try to start my relationship now because what I'm ultimately trying to get them to become are the preples, the premium. Now I was a freeple. I was definitely a cheaple, and now I'm a preple because when I go in to get something, I wanna get me closest access to the person in charge so because i know that's the quickest and most effective route to the solution to the problem that i have is by being a premium person versus the freemium person
1: no that's it's so i mean we we've been in some mastermind groups together right and they're not cheap they're very very expensive but that's the definition of what you're talking about there right with the the premium people and and the proximity yeah, you have proximity to to the most successful people, and if you look at the people who are in those groups, they're the most successful people. They're all right. they all understand that concept. Um, so yeah, I think that's so important. And man, I can just sit back because you just dropped so many gems in the past like twenty minutes or whatever. Um, you know, talking about uh, shiny object syndrome and not getting into that. Talking about um, breaking down those goals into bite sized chunks and actually celebrating those little wins. You know, along the way, having the right community uh, of support, you know, understanding that not learning how to do everything yourself, but finding the right people and, and, you know, and also understanding that exchanging your money for time is actually a win for you, not vice yep. versa. Um, so, yeah, hopefully everybody's been taking notes because there, there's been so many gems there. I know that stuff that you teach your community. Um, I'm curious about this. Uh, you know, I think we've seen in some of the masterminds and stuff that we've been in, some people do really well, some people don't. I'm sure for the people you teach, there's some people who are, 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 you know, do even better, like like the best. And I'm wondering if you have some ideas of those people that are the most successful. What are some of the commonalities? Like, what are the what are the traits of those people that you've taught that are the most successful that you know other people can be like? All right, let me let me see if I can try to uh, try to emulate that
0: balancing expectations and the business side of things. Those who really treat it like a business. Uh, I'll give you a great example. So one of my my clients, Elliot Graber, came to me and he went straight for the social media stuff. He just wanted to build an audience. He's like, oh, I just got to get my music out. I got to build the audience. And I'm like, well, just don't forget to go back and get into the business setup thing. Let's get our music registered properly. Let's do all these things. And he's like, oh, I've been putting out music for 10 years. I'm just going straight after the social media stuff. And I'm like, okay, cool. So all of a sudden, for whatever reason, I had been talking about it and there was information inside the course on it. And I even highlighted it in my presentation on the webinar where I actually sold the course, but he didn't hear it because he wasn't ready. So in December of this year, he sends me a the, the subject line said success story. And it says, Rick, OMG. He said, I just got my first check for $16,000 from sound exchange because I went and registered like you told me to do. Now that was in December. And then he gets another check in January for about another 6,000 and then another 4,000. So for those of you that don't understand sound exchange, Sound exchange collects money from Pandora, iHeartRadio, SiriusXM, or any of the internet satellite radio station places. Your PRO does not collect those streaming royalties uh, unless you check off the box at CD Baby or they don't collect it. So, but they can go back three years. And once you register your ISRC codes and your music, there's $423 million of unclaimed royalties that the digital service providers don't know who to pay because someone didn't fill out their paperwork correctly. So when I told him that and he came back, those are the people that are having the most success in in what it is that I do or those that treat it like the business those that I just did this great thing I called it a challenge it really wasn't a challenge and I will not call the next one's a challenge it was the manage my music career three-day challenge well I wasn't challenging them to do anything but be different to think different because it was all on metadata registering your music all the non-fun stuff that must take place if you would like any chance of collecting your percentage of a penny. And we had like 150, 160 people signed up for this thing. Those are the people that are going to have, in my opinion, based on whatever level of success that they've set up for themselves, they're going to have the best chance at achieving that because they're treating it like a business. You just can't create it and put it out into the world. Real good example, Jelly Roll. Jelly Roll's a hip hop artist, rapper out of Nashville. Jelly Roll is amazing. Jelly Roll's manager, Matt Wallace, who's the current guest at the recording of this, if you go to my podcast, Music Industry Blueprint Podcast, uh, he's episode 251. Matt and I talked for about an hour. And when Matt came in, Jelly Roll had already had, was killing it on YouTube. He was killing it in a lot of different areas but he also hadn't signed up for sound exchange yet. And that check was multiple six figures that came to him. So Jelly Roll right now is an independent artist. He he has about 1.8 million monthly listeners on Spotify, but here's the thing. And here's what's great. When you ask Jelly Roll his numbers, he knows his numbers, Mm -hmm. his business numbers. Jelly, how many... How many uh, listens do you get per month from your average daily? He goes, well, Rick, we get right now. I got about 1.8 million. That's my best jelly roll impersonation I can do. He goes, so for their 1.8 million subscribers, they average daily seven plays a day from each of those monthly listeners. So if you're doing the math, a million streams equals $5,000. 7 million streams a day equals $35,000, which when everything's said and done works out to a little over a half a million dollars a month in streaming royalties, one branch off the tree. And in the podcast, I said, Matt, who owns the publishing? Jelly. Who's the writer of the songs? Jelly. Who owns the masters? Jelly. Who's keeping all the money? Jelly and he goes, and I get fifteen percent of it. He just kind of celebrated, but Matt came in and taught Jelly the business. Right? If you don't, it, my stories could be fun. They could be cool. I could drop a little nugget, freemium, premium, preples, freeples, cheaples. Leave here knowing today the business person mentality. Will win. The creative is a given. You've got to get that right. But once you get that right, that's only 10%. The rest of it is how do I get paid for my creative? How do I make sure that I'm signing the right agreements with people? How do I make sure that the split sheets are filled out properly? How do I not assume that someone registered me? When when the writer, if someone takes your beat, Don't assume that they put you down as 50% of the writer with their PRO. You get your butt to your PRO. And if you're like, dude, what's a PRO? Then let's learn that side of the business first. You've got to understand the publishing. I don't think enough producers get into the the weeds inside the publishing side. If you go to songtrust.com, download their free guide on publishing. It's one of the easiest ones to do. Uh, Our friend Cato. Kato, big fan of, of this. So Kato, so I, I did my first rap on TikTok to a Kato beat, which was pretty funny. Uh, and I told Kato, because that after he, so he got smart. He said, you know what? I'm just going to go throw up these little beats and let people duet with them on TikTok. So he registered all of his music. Everybody knew exactly who to come see. Kato on the track, yo, he stamped everything in the front. He let these people do on his beats. One of them was the viral hit during COVID. And all of a sudden, every record label's coming wanting to license these beats. Well, guess who had them all registered already? Guess who had everything in place? Guess who had his publishing set up properly? Cato. That's what he was able to do. So I called him up. I said, hey, listen, man, don't let mine and your rap hold you up on any of your negotiations. You're free. And he just starts busting up laughing because everyone was using his beat. He didn't care if he got paid from TikTok because in the end, when he's getting that streaming money and when he got those major record labels coming to him for beats, sometimes don't wait for your children to work for you. Put your children to work. Don't sit on a pile of great stuff holding on to it. Put your best stuff out there. He put his best stuff out there and it opened up so many doors and I am so proud of him because where we met is through Dame and Pain One, you know, the Music Entrepreneur Club. That's where we met. Cato came to me, hit me up on Instagram, said, I want you to meet these business partners of mine. I think they're awesome. That's how we all got together, talking business, not trying to slam each other's DMs with music. Tell me what you think. Listen to it. It was like, how can we keep? doing this business thing. And that's what we do is we just teach. That's what you do, Gabe. You just teach. That's what they do. They just teach. We're so passionate about helping, not only helping on a selfish note, I always tell people, man, I want to affect millions of lives with songs I didn't write by teaching creatives how to get rid of it because I can't write songs. But on the other end, it's like not only are we helping that, not only are we helping you, but I'm actually able to provide a living and a lifestyle for me and my family that I love, stress-free by helping thousands of people instead of being the manager to one or two, where when I left Taylor Swift, I was 300 freaking pounds bleeding on the inside, didn't know why. And I hadn't seen my kids in 187 days that year. I was going 187 days. Was I going to make a million dollars in 2008? absolutely would i have been dead by probably 2010 yes definitely divorced definitely that million would have went out in alimony and child support but when i was able to sit back and go wait if i can help tens of thousands at 47 bucks a pop 97 bucks a pop 150 bucks a pop and still generate that kind of income and still have the lifestyle and live where i want to live and do what i would like to do but be able to serve more make as much with less stress. I, I may not have finished high school, but I was smart enough to figure that out. I figured out that's the route I wanted to go. You know, I didn't want to chase. And, and, and that's where I think sometimes for you, listening to this as a business owner is I did not need to be the next Irving Azoff in order for me to feel that I had made it or been successful because that's not where, where my strengths are. My strengths are in the development. My strengths are in the coaching. I have a c- coaching background for college sports and high school sports. I, I'm a rah-rah guy, you know? I'm not a sit in a boardroom and listen to the bunch of BS that I've had to sit and listen to. I mean, I've from label meetings because I would call bullshit too quick. I would ask the question, I'm like, that makes zero sense. That's not what they want to hear. Everybody's in there going, that sounds great. That sounds great. I'm like, no, that's ridiculous. You know, how do you, so I'm a different kind of guy. I always tell people, I'm like sushi. I'm an acquired taste, but I just love the fact that if you're sitting here listening to this podcast right now, you are a special breed. That automatically makes you different. Now, the next challenge I have for you, I want to say this the right way because I don't want it to come across the wrong way. And Gabe, you'll be able to make it smarter than I am. At some point, you have to take what you know and start doing stuff with it. So often, people go from webinar to webinar to podcast to podcast, and nothing gets done in their business. Guilty as charged. I always thought that the solution was buying the next course when it was actually putting to work what I just purchased in the first place. I've seen that happen a lot. I see people, and I sent out a very interesting email today where I just kind of went all off on people. I'm like, look, you've been to three freaking webinars where you've heard me say the same damn thing. You've stayed the whole entire time and you didn't take me up on my $47 offer. It's time for you and I to end our relationship because I can only help people that are serious and you're obviously not serious. And if you tell me, Rick, I can't afford $47, then you're not a business person. If, if you're telling me that you can't go out, I'll go give blood and get paid $47 or plasma to pick up something that can solve one of my problems. I'll go in the garage like Gary Vee and sell something with a cord on it. you know. But I just had to figure out who my audience was and also to do them a favor by having that honest and tough conversation. People are like, weren't you afraid they'd unsubscribe? I need them to unsubscribe. Unsubscribes are my friends. Unsubscribes and non-opens affect my open rates. I would rather have 2,000 people who absolutely loved what I do and were given it all in their business than the 60,000 that are on my list right now. I've got 60,000 people on my email list. I got about 4,700 buyers. I'm trying to figure out how to ethically get rid of the other 56,000 so that they can go waste somebody else's time because I cannot serve the non-business thinker. I am not for the hobbyist. I am not for the person that wants to be famous. Don't call me and ask me what I think about your music. You should not care what I think about your music. I always tell people, ask me what I think about your website. <laughs> Don't ask me what I think about your music. Go to Gabe. He's the music guy. I'm not the music guy. Especially in the in the space that I'm in, Gabe. I help so many people. I'm like, look, unless your audience is a 54 year old white dude that loves hip hop, and my favorite station on Sirius is Fly Hip Hop and r and from the 80s, who <laughs> you know, favorite concert over the last couple of years with Bruno Mars. I'm not your guy. You know, it's like, you may be the best jazz person in the world. I always say, what do your fans think about it? That's what I want to know. What's your end? What's the end consumer think about it? Not what Rick Barker thinks. You shouldn't give a shit what Rick Barker thinks.
1: Yeah, no, exactly. Right, man. Once again, so many gems in there. I mean, um, the whole concept of like, okay, these are the people on my list that are actually, you know, buyers and the buyer's part is I don't want people to get hung up on that. It just shows that they're serious. And the same thing, if you're a producer and your audience is rappers and singers that you're selling beats, if you're an artist and your audience is, is fans, it's like, the important thing is what are those, you know, thousand true fans, hundred true fans. That's the thing that's really important. Those are the people that are going to, um, that matter in your career, right? So how do you develop I, that relationship? Yeah. And
0: I'm spending more time creating more opportunities for my buyers with me, mm-hmm. whether it's a, a workshop or whether it's this, it's like, I, I, I was spending, I made the mistake of always trying to go attract the new person that I wasn't loving on the people that had already paid my give me money. You know what I mean? It's like, whoa, wait a minute. It's like, I thought, well, I'll just, they're, they're here. It's like, and then one of my mentors came to me and he goes, dude, this is where the difference between you not getting the two comma club and getting the two comma club was the more opportunities that I created for the people I already had. It wasn't new business that put me over the top. It was taking the buyers and creating new opportunities in that 50 to $5,000 range for them that actually took me to the next level. So what I had to do once again is know your end consumer, spot the problem that they were having. And I'll just be honest with you guys. I'll tell you the problem that I solved is I ended up doing these 90 day fast tracks where we got together every week for an hour. And we said, what do you want your business to look like in the next 90 days? And I made a contract that they were going to do the work and that I was going to show up and they were going to show up. And you want to talk about people that kick some butt in their businesses. So they paid a little higher price to have access to me every week. But I had committed 40 hours a week to 40 clients and we took them through this fast track. And that took me over the top here. And it also gave me some great testimonials of people that were like, dude, those 90 days that I spent with Rick. So go find yourself some artists that you know are willing to do the work, don't be afraid to charge them a little more. Don't think that you have to charge your best clients less. Let me just say that real quick too. Mm. Your best clients who know the value of your work, say, look, I'm going to take five artists and I'm, I'm throwing everything in. I'm giving you my best stuff and we're going to work together. And at the end of this, and I only have room for five and I'm just making up numbers now, but you didn't, it's, it's 2,500 bucks for the 90 day project. And now all of a sudden you've just made yourself, whatever the math is, $15,000 or whatever it is, five at 2,500. I don't even know what the number is, maybe 12,500 bucks or whatever, but that's 12,500 bucks that they're going to get this great product. And then you get to go in and raise your prices and offer it to 10 people next time, because now you know, wow, I did five and that went by pretty good. Now I can handle 10. So instead of raising the number of people that come into your world, and keeping your prices the same. Now you show the success that they had, you raise your prices, you double the number of people that can come in. And you've just now doubled your income by thinking like a business owner, and not thinking like a small business owner. Now it's like, how can I get the most give the most? If you think how can I give the most, that's how you're going to get the most. That's just something well, i just know it's it's, <laughs> it's, just and it,
1: it's so easy to get caught up on like okay i need more fans i need more artists i need more rappers i need more uh you know whatever buyers and it's like no look at the people who we already have even if you have a small list you might have a list of 100 people how can you serve those people even more how can you bring more value and a lot of times that's the answer just as much if not more than how do i bring in you know more people so i know i know we're we're coming up on on uh on time here but um i mean you've dropped you've dropped so many gems this this might be a record we've had some guests on here but i don't know the, the like gems per minute i think i think you might be breaking some records here um but i do want to get into like we've we've talked about all these strategy things you know uh yep. how to break up your goals the importance of having a, a community you know um uh you know putting your best stuff out there and not holding you know all these things this, this right. big these big strategy things you're also one of the smartest people I know as far as the actual tactics, like here's what's working on social media. Here's the the actual tactics of registering your music. So do you have a couple gems you can give us or things, whether if it's social media of like some tactical. Yes. Here's something I'm doing that, that. um. Do you
0: see yes. What I'm yeah. Every day you should be sharing your music from, from either Spotify or Apple, wherever your platforms are, wherever your audience is, you need to share those in your Instagram stories because that's where most of you are going to get your action and they can now push play inside of stories. It opens it up in Spotify or Apple, whatever one you share with them from zero to 31 at 31 seconds, you get paid. So you could share multiple, you could turn your Instagram into your radio station. uh, And then the other one is voice messages inside of Instagram is the absolute game changer right now because they go
1: I'm gonna let you explain it but this one has changed I learned this from you and this is like I've gotten yeah and and for those
0: of you I'm gonna speak a little fast but if you go to socialmediaformusic.com or Gabe will give you whatever I teach that in the free training so what was happening the concept was is that if if we're just waiting for people to find us and follow us and then hopefully they follow us back. And then hopefully they go to the link in our bot. It's a lot of hope marketing. And the people that are hopeful are usually broke. So no offense to the hopeful people. So what I tried to do is I said, how can I fast track this relationship? So what we did is that I tell artists, go find the people who already have your audience. In our marketing space, we call it the Dream 100. So who, which artist already has the fan base that you would like to get in front of? Go see who the people are that are leaving the comments and follow them. Do not DM them a YouTube link. Do not ask them to listen to your music. Don't do anything but follow them. These fans also get crazy about, oh, my God, I got a new follower. They get the little notification. They go in and they see, oh, Rick Barker music. So then they'll come in. They'll follow me back. Instagram, there's a little microphone. I hit it on it. I go, Yo, Gabe, what's up? It's Rick, man. Thanks for the follow back. By the way, when it comes to the music business, what's your biggest frustration? That's all I say. Once they tell me, then my assistant goes in and says, "Okay, they're having a problem growing a fan base. Great. Here's a link to social media for music. Hey, we're having a problem with this. Here's a link to this. So that's what we do. But what you can do as an artist is you could say, hey, by the way, out of curiosity, what's the last song that you listened to on Spotify? Now they're going to engage. So once they start talking, oh, cool. You know, I'm an independent artist. Would you ever be interested in hearing some of my stuff? Yes, I would. Now they've just given you permission. Great. What's the best email for me to send you a private playlist? And now without hesitation, they give you their damn email. And I'm like, I'm spending thousands of dollars trying to get email addresses off of Facebook and Instagram. And I have one artist right now. She goes, Rick, how many times should I try before they give me? Cause right now for every 10, I'm only getting seven emails. I'm like, girl, <laughs> you should need to come run my marketing. It's like, That's hilarious. so here's the thing. It's not scalable, but it's profitable. And I have decided I would much rather be profitable than scalable because when we start to automate the relationship, but think about the people in your life that you are closest to. It's the people that you're speaking with, not the friends that you just type a message to them every now and then or wish them happy birthday on Facebook. So when you can get that voice and if you're really good, there's that video button that works really well also. So that's just some of some stuff that has been really working. On our end, I'm always trying to break down the barriers, get us closer to getting that email address. Because if social media disappears, I'm all about websites, email address, and making sure your business and your music's registered properly. That's what my Man. jam is.
1: Man, gems on gems, and that one, by the way, has been huge. And for for producers, it's perfect. You know, just send the message, hey, because you're you're going to speaking to a rapper or singer, just be like, you know uh, Hey, I listened to your last song, right? I was on your, I was, I went to your Instagram. So show, show some value, right. Um, go and like, and comment on some of theirs, uh, send that voice memo of like, Hey, I saw that last song. That was dope. Um, you know, let me know if you're looking for any new beats, bam, start, start the conversation there. And then takes you eight
0: seconds. (laughs) I can't even type that much because my thumbs are all whack. So I have to back it up. So it's, it's faster. It's quicker. It's more personal and it will change the game. For you like absolutely changed the game
1: that's a huge that's a huge gem on top of the yeah the hundreds of gems you've dropped already well man rick this has been incredible um definitely i know RickBarker.com is a hub where they can find a lot of stuff at but rick maybe barker
0: music up. on instagram yeah at rick barker music on instagram don't dm me your music and ask me to listen yes. to it because i won't yeah <laughs> dm me and say hey this is where i'm lacking in my business what free resource Do you have? Because here's the thing with my free resources. I earn the opportunity to make an offer for you. So everything's going to start with me earning the right to ask you for your money. There's no place that you can go and give me money first. Let me earn it. So hit me up and say, this is where I'm struggling. What resource can you direct me to? And then if I've earned the right for you to want to spend 50 bucks, 100 bucks, a couple hundred bucks with me, let me earn that right. But don't, I won't listen to your music. If anybody just sends a YouTube link, I delete it. I'm just being straight up and honest. That's not how I can best serve you. Tell me what your struggles are. I'll point you in the direction of a solution, whether it's for me or for someone else. And keep kicking butt, man. That's all I ask of all of you is just give your best every day. Go out there and let your music change the world.
1: Rick, this has been incredible. Appreciate your time. I know everybody listening or watching appreciates it as well not going to take any more of your of your precious time let you go hang out with the family but uh man thank you so much for coming on
0: my pleasure dude
1: See you Thank you for listening to the Midi Money Podcast. If you're not subscribed already, please be sure to do that right now on YouTube or wherever you listen to podcasts. And if you enjoyed this episode, I would really appreciate it if you do me a quick favor and rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts or comment and like the videos on YouTube. You know, those ratings, reviews, those comments, they all show that people are getting value, helps the algorithm and helps get this podcast out to more producers. So it means so much to me if you'd be willing to take a couple minutes to do that. Oh, and if you'd like to learn more about how I was able to turn Legion Beats into a profitable business and how you can join our community of hundreds of producers all working towards that same goal, head over to midimoney.com go.